Welcome to another edition of the Game Preview Podcast. Ethan Greenberg, Cynthia Freeland. Week 13, Jets-Vikings in Minnesota. This is an exciting game for the Jets, Cynthia. First of all, I hope you had a lovely Thanksgiving. But let's talk about what people really want to hear about. That's football. And this is an interesting game because it feels like the Vikings are 9-2, and two, but it doesn't really feel like they get the kind of respect that maybe a 9-2 and two team would have. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think maybe for some good reason. I mean, their plus five point turnover differential is like the lowest since they've started really, you know, we, we have stats that go back as, I don't know, it's, it's just this interesting note where it's like, it feels like they're winning these one possession games. They're not necessarily like doing these convincing victories. And that's probably influencing how people feel about them. Well, to that point, like what do those kind what do those types of numbers say to you? Like when you're eight, no, in one score games and you're, it feels like you're just squeaking by, like, is that, it's almost viewed as a negative, but in reality, like they just keep winning close games. I mean, when I look at this team, I think I like, I kind of take it as I would take any other team sort of like, it's, it's like, where, where, where are the deficiencies, where are their injuries, which in this game, we'll get to that is a very big problem for them. And also who their opponents, but it, it feels like they're not in contention to win. Like when you think about them versus you think about like the Eagles, you feel quite differently because the quality of their opponents, I mean, the bears, the lions, even the Packers this season have not been kind of the, the NFC North we've thought of, but they're winning games. They're finding ways to get it done. Give Kevin O'Connell a ton of credit. Give Kirk Cousins a ton of credit. It's an interesting note. It doesn't feel the same as like, you know, the Chiefs or the Bills even feel, but you know what? It doesn't matter. We only play one game, winner take all, or I guess we can tie, but in general, winner take all. And when the playoffs come, it is certainly winner take all. All right, so let's dive right into the first quarter. I think this is the matchup that a lot of NFL fans, specifically Jets fans, are waiting for. This is Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed against Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. And this is really going to be a fun one. Justin Jefferson's second in the NFL in receiving yards, just one yard shy of tying Tyreek Hill. And he, he's just incredible the way that he can contort his body. We obviously saw what he did against the Buffalo Bills, perhaps a catch of the year. And so just what are your overall thoughts on this matchup for between these two young spudding superstars in the league? Well, let's look at the numbers really quick here. So we'll just do a little level set. Justin Jefferson, in terms of contested catches, so those are tested, you know, where someone's very close coverage. He has 16 of them. He only has, like, Tyreek Hill is the only person who has more than them in terms of 15-yard receptions because obviously he had, Justin Jefferson has 32, Hill has 34. This is the type of thing, and by the way, he's leading the league with 16 contested catches. He's number two in those 15-yard receptions. So this is a guy who can catch very improbable passes this is a guy who's really really helping his team on high difficulty targets most receptions receiving yards receiving yards over expected on passes with the completion probability below 50 percent next gen stats has that one i mean he if you're looking at all these is what 19 receptions that are that fall into that category and 483 receiving yards i mean this is a guy who's really just like making his quarterback, he's he's erasing any problems Kirk Cousins could probably be facing, giving him or putting situations he's putting him into. And by the way, on the other side, Sauce Gardner, he is the ultimate eraser. I don't care that he's a rookie. It doesn't bother me at all. When you look to see his completion percentage allowed, 43.4, that's second best in the in the entire league, 15-yard receiving uh, reception percentage allowed, 5.7, that's ridiculous, that's first in the NFL, forced inter in completion percentage, 20.8, 
first in the NFL. Passer rating allowed, 47.6, first in the NFL. By the way, you get a higher, you get a higher completion, or, sorry, passer rating if you throw the ball into the dirt than if you throw it into Sauce's coverage. So this is a really fun matchup. It doesn't matter that Jefferson's not a rookie. And this is not like a rookie v. rookie thing. This is a best versus best iron sharpening iron situation. And it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, this is going to be really exciting. And the Jets so far this year against top-tier receivers have done a pretty good job. Tyreek Hill obviously did not play with Tua Tungavailoa or Teddy Bridgewater when the Jets played the Dolphins in Week 5. But most recently, Week 9, when the Jets hosted the Bills at MetLife, Stephon Diggs had five catches for 93 yards. One of those came on the first drive of the game, which was 42 yards. So the Jets did a pretty decent job containing Diggs. He did not find the end zone. And I know it sounds silly. You're like, 93 yards, pretty good job. Like, Stephon Diggs is one of the best. Now, this is this is where I think this is a little different, and I'm curious your take. Stephon Diggs doesn't have the same kind of length that Sauce Gardner has, and he's quicker. And actually, DJ Reed saw the most of Stephon Diggs that game. Do you think that given Sauce's body type being kind of similar to Justin Jefferson's body type, that is a good matchup, at least physically, for the Jets? It is, you know, and the other thing we we do, we'll get to talking about the pressure because the fact that the Jets are able to pressure with only four is going to be very important in this one because Kirk Cousins has now faced like a bunch of top five defenses in a row. And the difference when you're rushing only four versus when you're having to blitz to get pressure on Kirk Cousins makes a huge difference. So the man situation, both are the best in man, Justin Jefferson, facing man, best receiver, Sauce Gardner playing man, best corner. When it's interesting though is, is that Justin Jefferson does move all around the alignments and configurations and we haven't really seen sauce travel. So that's the, the only sort of like, like the knock there, right? If they're going to try to get a mismatch, it's not, not going to be Jefferson on sauce. That wouldn't be a mismatch. That's actually like a, a very good matchup. You're right. Body types are more similar. So, well, a couple things here and we're, we're going to get to Garrett Wilson later. Cause I think there's something interesting in terms of Garrett Wilson, Justin Jefferson, both kind of having like herky jerky juke moves. But in terms of the Viking offense, Justin Jefferson's obviously the staple of the offense. If you were to like power rank X factors, him being the top X factor, who's next? Because there are a lot of very talented players, but how do you kind of order who's most important to that offense after him? So, not for the whole season, but in this particular matchup, in this particular situation, my number two would probably be TJ Hawkinson, who's a new addition to their team. Obviously, we don't know exactly how they're going to use him in every sort of configuration. So that's why he becomes sort of more important because we don't have as much film on what they're going to expect from TJ. We, we know that they targeted him just all of the time. He gets lots of targets. He has seen the end zone. So I think that's like a more important X, not to say he's, better than anyone else because Dalvin Cook is an amazing opportunity to to do well in every game. And Adam Thielen has shown his stripes as well. So we we have earned his stripes as well. So you're seeing that, but you're, you said X factor. So for me, it is where are they going to use TJ Hawkinson? How are they going to reconfigure their alignments to really kind of get him in the slot, get these mismatches on body types? Because TJ Hawkinson is huge and he does come down with those red zone targets. It's a great point. And just, I'm going to use the Ravens game from week one as an example. We saw Sauce Garner line up against Mark Andrews a decent amount. That's because I, I think that's a, a matchup thing. That's not the case this week because the Jets are going to need Sauce on the outside where maybe week one the Jets felt like with Devin Duvernay and Rashad Bateman, they could hold their own with DJ Reed and then Michael Carter II and Brandon Eccles and Bryce Hall in that game, actually. So I think that 
this that's the biggest difference here. But let's move on to the second quarter. Let's talk about this Jets offense, particularly Mike White, because what Mike White has done in four NFL starts is pretty remarkable. Actually, Kirk Cousins and Mike White are two of seven NFL quarterbacks who have thrown for at least 300 yards and three passing touchdowns in at least two of their first five games as a starter in the NFL. That's just a fun little nugget. But when you look at the way Mike White played, Cynthia, what impressed you the most about his performance? I think there's two things that really stood out. The first was how he performed under pressure. So look, under pressure, every quarterback has an erosion in their production. Duh. That makes sense, right? But he went four for four, passed for two of his three passing touchdowns, and was extremely over 100 yards passing when he was actually under pressure. And that is a very strong outcome. But by the way, that doubles the amount of under pressure touchdown receptions for the Jets on the season, right? So his two, it matched what was already happening through the entire season to date. That was interesting. The other thing, and maybe this one's even more Look, we have to we have to acknowledge it. The Bears' secondary was banged up, and then Eddie Jackson left the game, so they're banged up, and then they were extra banged up. And this is a much you know the the Vikings do have more pieces up front at least than you know than the Bears do. So the the asterisk is there. But when you look at the different types of looks, and this guy with four starts, does he know zone versus man looks? Are you able to kind of confuse and trick someone? Nope, not Mike White. You weren't over 130 passing yards and a passing touchdown against man and against zone. Both, not one or the other, both. So I love those two stats. In addition to all three of his passing touchdowns coming on 10 plus air yard passes, those are deeper throws, downfield passes. And by the way, all of them happening in more than 2.5 seconds, despite his overall for the game, the number, the the time to throw being lower than what we've seen from anything for the Jets so far this season. Basically what that means is that the strategy was working, right? So they use shorter passes and then use strategic deep passes, which is the way you want to do it. That's how you stay super productive. And that's what we saw from Mike White. Yeah. I'm going to need your help breaking something down here because statistically the bears last weekend coming into the game had the ninth ranked passing defense in the league. The Vikings have the 32nd, so the worst in the league. We saw what Mike White did last week against what was the number nine overall defense despite the injuries to Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon, two of the starting four secondary members in the game, and then Eddie Jackson got hurt. So just what is your take on, first of all, the Bears being a top 10 passing defense last week? Like, Is that just more of a fluke and more that – teams got up on the bears and so therefore they didn't need to throw as much or is that like the bears had a good defense and then they just they they got hurt mike white did we did did what he did and now he's going up against the the league's worst statistical passing defense both um the reality is that the bears when they have their starters they're truly not as bad as what it seems when they don't have their starters that's again another duh situation there but they also, you know, when things sometimes they get out of hand and you, you're playing for a really long time, the second half can also be either totally gassed, right? So that's sometimes you have to put an asterisk there as well, especially non-starters. It's, it's not the same caliber in the beginning, and it's certainly not the same caliber as you get to the second half. So kind of all of it. I, I don't think that this is a defense. What we saw from the Bears was the best version of their defense. No way. But at the same time, 
I think that you also face that same scenario with Minnesota. As we just saw Andrew Booth now on IR, so they're down like all of their secondary, and they're it's it's a tricky one. Okay, Harrison Smith's still there; he's really good, but it's very hard to get the type of the type of production from that secondary. And and by the way, their the defensive front hasn't been generating. Like when I think Minnesota. Daniil Hunter and all those guys like gets really getting after the quarterback. It hasn't looked the same this season. And part of that is because the secondary hasn't been there blanketing people, giving them that extra half a second, half a step to get the burst to rush the passer. So it's not the same caliber defense that at least like, look, I grew up in, you know, NFC North country. So I'm used to more Viking, like, you know, Mike Zimmer, like, ah, like tough stuff. And it doesn't, it doesn't look like that this season. It's very interesting because it feels like defensively the Vikings have a lot of very good players. You mentioned Daniil Hunter. He has seven sacks. Zadarius Smith leads a team with nine and a half. But their sack numbers are not great as a whole. And then you mentioned the secondary. Harrison Smith, very good player. Patrick Peterson having a good year. But you mentioned the injuries there. How big of a factor do you think that will be for the Jets coming into this week? And do you think that that's something that Mike White can take advantage of in his first road start of the season? Well, all three of the touchdowns that Mike White threw last week came when the receivers had more than three yards of cushion. So the, the, and the next gen stats call that wide open. I love it, right? They're wide open, more than three yards. And that's an interesting note because that means that what the offensive minds were doing for the Jets were scheming the right things to happen, not just the the right blend of short versus deep passes like we talked about, but also which routes and when are you targeting them at which time. And that becomes significantly easier to do if you don't have the corners that you know are your top guys out there, right? So if you're missing all these pieces in the secondary, that's why you've seen the Vikings be so susceptible to passes. Before that Justin Jefferson catch, I mean, the Stephon Diggs one-handed catch was pretty wild as well in that game, in the Bills game. So you've seen some some interesting some interesting data from them, you know, there as well. But that's going to be something where I think that it's Jets offense and the way that, the, that they work and the way that they're figuring out and the way that Mike White's able to execute and find those open receivers, that is what is really interesting in this one. Because, again, all three of those touchdowns, wide open. That's not because, like, the defense was terrible, right? It was because they were scheming the right things and they were finding the right – and he was making the right reads and he was finding the right guy. So, look, Mike White had a great game. This is going to be his second start of the season. There's something fun here because – his second start last year came on the road against the Dome team. That was the Colts. He obviously hurt his elbow, couldn't feel his, the nerve or something wrong with the nerves in his elbow. Feeling came back after the game. His second start this season also comes on the road against the Dome team. We'll see how it goes against the Minnesota Vikings, who are 9-2 and two and have the league's worst statistical passing defense. And as Cynthia pointed out, dealing with some injuries in the secondary, which brings us to halftime. So we have a couple of different options here, Cynthia. I don't know much about Minnesota, so I pulled up a Minnesota Fun Facts trivia quiz that we could do, and uh, I could ask you a couple questions, or we could talk about something totally different. What do you want to do? Let's do the fun facts, and I'll because I'm from the Midwest now. I'm from Michigan, not Minnesota, but I can do a Minnesota accent pretty well because don't you know we all know how to do that? Go ahead, <laughs> trivia go. Can you answer in a Minnesota accent? Okay, all right, mm-hmm. um, all right. Here we go. Name the processed meat product that is manufactured in Austin, Minnesota. Reindeer jerky. 
it's spam. I had no idea that it's spam was manufactured in Austin, Minnesota. But okay. All right. Here we go. Oh, how about did you want a geography question? This could be bad, but sure. This could be bad, but okay. Pretty bad, but okay. Oh, all right, all right. Can you name the five states that border Minnesota? Ah. Uh, Wisconsin. That's one of them. Uh North Dakota. Yeah. That's South two. Dakota. That's three. Iowa. That's four. You should get the fifth. Michigan. That's five. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. Well done. Well done. All right. Uh, Sweating over here. Okay. okay, This one I think you would know, so I'm not going to ask you. This doesn't count, but the question was, who is a Minnesota native that wrote The Great Gatsby? The answer is F. Scott Fitzgerald. That's an easy one. Um, Okay, this is one. Which fictional spokeswoman was created by General Mills in the 1920s? But it doesn't have anything to do with... That's right. It is Betty Crocker. That was fantastic. All right. That was, that seemed like an easy Wait, one. Do you know, do you know? Okay. So, all right. I ran the Duluth marathon. It's the grandma's marathon in Duluth, Minnesota. And it's actually a very charming marathon. It's uh, most people there are actually green Bay fans because of the, I, I don't know why, but it's, I guess in proximity to wherever it is, but it was very interesting when you run there because it's on it Lake superior. It's so that Lake is so cold yeah. And the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald is like this song that everyone sings about. So I don't know if you've lear- learned it, but when you land in Minnesota, you could be listening to that because it's a very like, you know, you know, they, they talk about like all the, all the, the, you'll, you'll learn a lot about Minnesota and mi- Midwestern lore with that. And then like oh, something yeah. with like Babe, the blue ox, did it talk about that too? There's, I can't remember the whole thing about there's like Paul Bunyan and Babe, the blue ox and all these things that that's all there. T- that's all there okay. too. We're all weird. All right, so you, bunch you know, of, bunch of, that was that was very good, and Not I know that much that difference our, between Michigan and Minnesota. Just so we're clear, are <laughs> <laughs> you know I do see one question: What national? Don't answer this because our producer Matt Sitkoff will get very upset for sponsorship reasons. What national discount retailer with department store roots is based in Minneapolis, Minnesota? If you know the answer or don't know the answer, I will tell you after we record because I'm giving uh, a clue. Yeah, don't answer. Thousand exclamation points! Very nice, <laughs> but this is this is fun. What's the stage name of the famous musician Robert Zimmerman? Prince? The answer I don't know. Is Bob Dylan. Mm, but Prince it. is from there too. You know you can go to Prince's compound when you're in Minnesota? Wow, I didn't know that. I mm-hmm. think I have I've been to Graceland in in uh Memphis to, for Elvis. It's actually pretty cool. Yep. The Prince's compound is there. I know a lot about Minnesota. You know, okay. I'm just a real I'm just a real so Minnesota. Just a real is- Minneapolis aficionado over here, you know? <laughs> What you're saying is, is that I can, I should use a Prince uh, song as the background music for my cooking reel this week. 100%. And there's also, I believe, I think Minnesota, Minneapolis has it on Indianapolis for the most indoor tunnels or not tunnels, indoor bridges. Yeah. 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 The Skyway or whatever. Okay. Glad I, glad I could add that to the, to the chat. (laughs) That was a great halftime. Very unexpected. (laughs) Like didn't know that I was gonna that we were gonna be doing trivia and or that you would you know needed, so much know about exactly what you needed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I feel rejuvenated. Let's dive right back into it, into the third quarter. 
We talked about Mike White. It's only necessary now that we talk about the receivers because Garrett Wilson had a great game, two touchdowns. Elijah Moore had his first touchdown on the year. What was the difference outside of potentially Mike White that essentially enabled those guys to produce at the level that they did in your eyes? Well, if you look at where the touchdowns came, right? So first of all, I need to put this out there because I think it's very important to say, but Garrett Wilson, if you and I work for the NFL, we're not allowed to bet. So we can just give recommendations and perhaps you should look to see what goes on with offensive rookie of the year candidates, because I think that Garrett Wilson should absolutely be in contention. He's just, just Olave. Chris Olave has more yards than him and nobody expected like this type of output for the Jets. So I'm going all in. Like if I were a betting person, which I'm not because the NFL pays my paycheck, I would probably think that, but just, just so we're, just so we're clear. But now back to the question you actually asked me, which was about what was different. And it was scheming to get the right things in the right spots and the right things being both Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson. I'm looking at the, over-expected receiving yards. So yards after the catch over-expected. Both Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore have passes or catches where they had at least 20 yards after the catch over-expected. The 54-yard touchdown reception in the second quarter for Wilson and then Elijah Moore's second second quarter 42-yard reception. That's so interesting. But the other thing that's interesting is that Elijah Moore was really in the slot, two receptions, 64 yards and a touchdown, and Garrett Wilson was really productive out wide. Three of five, 73 yards, and two touchdowns from the wide alignment, meaning they found things that worked and kept using them in a way where it made it that right balance of sophisticated enough to trick the defense, but simple enough for the offense to execute at a high level. And that was a huge difference maker, especially in a game where you have the, you know, the, the, the running back situation and injuries was like not ideal, right? So that was really helpful creating that right sort of set of circumstances for the receivers to be in reliable positions and for the, for the quarterback to be able to see it, recognize it and execute it. And then going off of that, don't you think this is another, this might sound like a silly question because of what we just lined out. I was going to ask like, isn't this another good matchup for both of those guys? But I guess let me go one level further. How do the jets, continue to take advantage of a Vikings defense that's hurt. Statistically, they're not good against the pass. And knowing that the Jets have three very talented wide receivers in Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, not even to t- we're not even talking about the homecoming of Tyler Conklin yet. We haven't even gotten there. But look, I there's a lot of like revenge this week. I love a little good revenge, best served on Sunday in football form. But I think that what the Jets need to do in this one is they need to not let it get that close situation where you see Kirk Cousins executing passes to Justin to, to Justin Jefferson, meaning, yes, exploit the pass defense, but also figure out in terms of these runs how you can keep, like Ty Johnson had 23 rushing yards over expected in this third quarter. You know, like these are these are situations where it's like keep doing these efficient things. Maybe don't make it like you don't need to have the sexiest game in terms of like, it doesn't need to be like 50 to 40, right? It needs to be a game where the, the passes are efficient and basically keep their offense off the field. You know, like that's like, the, it sounds stupid, but control the clock in this one will matter even more because that's what happens. What's happening is that the Vikings are getting just enough time left to score. And that's why all those last, you know, fourth quarter and comeback wins are happening because there's too much time left on the clock by their opponents. All right, I do have one question. I asked you an X factor for the Vikings. How about for the Jets this weekend in, in particular? Is it a specific receiver? Is it a running back potentially out of the backfield? Is it a tight end like Tyler Conklin playing his former team? 
Maybe, but I'm going to go actually on the other side of the ball for my favorite X factor for the Jets this week. And it's a guy who we saw have the fastest sack of the season last week on Trevor Simeon, which was 2.63 seconds. And it's a guy who, by the way, his pass rush get off the season is 0.66 seconds, which is best in the NFL. And that's, of course, minimum 75 pass rushes. So he's qualified. And that's Bryce Huff. And why? Because we already know Quinton Williams is nasty. We already know a lot about a lot of these guys along this front. But when you see Bryce Huff kind of coming here and like being able to execute, when you see Kirk Cousins just when it, when he doesn't win games, right? Those two games, that passer rating is low because pressure is just crushing him. He's not able to overcome that pressure. Well, what have you got here? You've got all of these guys who are getting fast pressure, and the fastest is Bryce Huff. So him being able to get that get off so 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 fast. That's the X factor for me because that means that Kirk Cousins isn't going to have time to even make Justin Jefferson a problem. Well, that leads us directly into the fourth quarter, which is the Vikings offensive line and the Jets pass rush. You mentioned the the Vikings have seen top five defenses in each of their what last three games, but this is the only defense that has the kind of pass rush that the Jets have. Do you think that is the determ not a determining? the determining factor for the Jets if they want a chance to win on Sunday. Yes, because it's and it's also the ability remember the front and the back all work together. And we've seen the Jets be so proficient, not not just good, so elite at rushing with just four and actually getting pressure, not needing to blitz, not needing to bring the extra pass rusher, which allows more guys in coverage, which means more time than Kirk Cousins got to think about a little bit more. And what you see is in this in this two losses, one total touchdown pass 55.6 passer rating. Yeah, Nishkeet, as opposed to 18 total touchdowns and 95.2 passer rating in their wins. The difference is fast pressure. Fast pressure. Make him try to make Dalvin Cook run it. Okay. Give up a couple of uh, shorter catches to Dalvin Cook that is going to keep you off schedule and put him in more obvious passing downs. Okay. Like, we'll take it, right? Like, that's, that's kind of the formula. And it's that quick pressure that makes – that just makes, you know, people always joke like Kirk Cousins in prime time, blah, blah, blah. like, no, but the reality is, is it's Kirk Cousins versus fast pressure, fast pressure. And Kirk Cousins isn't necessarily like he's mobile enough, but he's not that mobile. So if the Jet, this is a good matchup for the Jets defensive line, if they can get home. My last question to you in terms of this matchup in particular, their O-line versus the Jets D-line. Feels like Christian Darrisaw, the second-year left tackle, is getting a lot of love for the way that he's been playing. Out, like first of all, how do you think he has been playing? Even though he, I don't, I don't believe he played on Thanksgiving. And then the rest of the offensive line, just what are your thoughts on that unit as a whole? Well, Darrisaw does deserve his his just due. He absolutely is great. I'm trying to see like what his availability has been because he didn't play on Thanksgiving. I'm there was like this very long article about whether or not he's going to be healthy or not. And I, I can't see if it, what the reality is. And it's a lot better for the Jets defensive front if he's not playing, but I want your best versus my best. I don't care. Like that's how I feel about it because left tackle is obviously, you know, there's a reason they get paid the most. They're the anchor of the offensive line. Absolutely. But this Jets defensive front, they've been pressured from all over the place. So I'm not particularly worried about that. Like I have the Jets winning if Darisaw plays or if Darisaw doesn't play. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, it, of course it matters. Like, of course, and I want everyone to be healthy. It's not that it's just more. I'm saying like, you can bring your best. We got our best. It's, it's still going to be the same in, in my, in, in the outcome for me. So, but, but I will say, yes, 
he has been playing significantly. It's big uptick in his play this season. And a lot of that really has to do with the the way that Kevin O'Connell has structured this offense to make sure that some of the, like it's not always getting crushed on one side. He's done a very good job of switching up the alignments and using motion. Motion helps the quarterback determine if it's man or if it's zone coverage. And he's done a good job of that, which keeps a little bit of that fast pressure from coming at the same guy over and over again. Did you just try to sneak in your answer that you have the Jets winning? Yeah. I, think, I didn't try yeah, to sneak yeah, it yeah, in. For, for, it wasn't, there wasn't sneaky. Yeah. I said it like four or five times. I'm not sneaking. <laughs> There's no sneaking. Okay, so you have your model has the Jets winning yep. this game. And everything is everything I do is blind. Usually I don't run like I look, I'm gonna be honest with you. We film this on Wednesdays. Wednesdays are the best day for the injury report because at least it's a little more honest. Before Wednesday, yeah. they're like big fat lying liars who lie. I don't know who's playing. You don't know who's playing. Maybe even Friday we don't know who's playing. But as of right now, I did it with, you know, with Darasaw in, with Darasaw out. You know, I either way, it didn't matter because I knew I had some okay. really good stuff on. My model really likes Mike White. My really, my model loves the Jets defense. My model love, love, loves the Jets defense. My model thinks the Jets defense is elite and the special teams is elite. And my model really likes Mike White. Really likes Mike White. Is there, is there a better way to end this podcast than that? Nope. I don't think so. I nope. except I do have one. Bo I do have one bonus. Um, I think a lot of people wondering Justin Jefferson, like what is an acceptable stat line for the Jets defense uh, with Justin Jefferson playing in terms of his numbers Sunday? I know that's like, that's like an impossible thing to really answer because you'd be like, oh, he could have 300 yards and the Jets win and it wouldn't really matter. But like, what do you think is a realistic number that gives the Jets a good chance to win? Well, so the numbers, this is, I'm going to say this is going to sound higher than you might like. But anything under 100 yards is great. Um, why? Because if they keep throwing to him for 100 yards, it's because they have to throw more, which means that the Jets are probably winning. So think about the game script with that. So realistically, as long as it's under a hundo and probably, you know, it's probably like eight, seven, eight catches, like that's probably a, that's a, that's a game winning. That's a, because the reality is, is you have to throw more if you're playing from behind. So really it's Dalvin Cook's stat line that you don't want to be good. Not, I don't care about Justin. I mean, I, of course I care about him, but like, I don't, I don't, you know, as long as it's not like six touchdowns, something crazy, even if he has a seven for 93 and a touchdown still fine because it's, it's Dalvin. If, if you see Dalvin Cook rush for hundred yards, Jets are in trouble. Okay. I, and that is, not as good of a way to end as what we previously said. This but is your it's still, fault, not mine. But, I'm blaming you for this. <laughs> it, it, it is all on me. That is all on me. But it is. we didn't even really talk about Dalvin Cook, so I take it back. It's a good way to end because the Jets really do need to account for Dalvin Cook because he's a very good player. And the, the, the Vikings like to run the ball, even though it didn't have the success it did last week against the Patriots. He still ran it over 20 times. He only averaged 1.9 yards per carry. So that's how we're going to end. Week 13, the Game Preview Podcast. Jets, Vikings in Minnesota. Cynthia, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you next week. Absolutely. And if you cook something with spam, you and I are going to have a problem here. So pick any other thing. Like, I just don't know why, but there's something about if it's the name. Is it even meat? Like, if you threw me off when you asked if it was a meat product, is it meat? Do we know? I don't know if we know, but I can guarantee you that I will not be cooking with spam. Great. All good. Anything else? Money.